Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of AmeriVision, the premier American Eurovision podcast. And we are on the official last episode of our Eurovision 2023 previews. Um, If for some reason you have missed most of our episodes here, there are three additional episodes um, that you can either watch before or after. Neither of them are going to affect your listening experience, Um, but you might want to make sure that you hear all of our commentary for all of the other songs that we're not talking about, the other 26. Um, But today we have our final nine songs for semifinal two. Um, That will include all three of the big five uh, countries that are voting in this semifinal. Um, So if you do not know, I should say big five and host country um, or host countries, the United Kingdom, Spain, and Ukraine will also be talked about in this episode. So... um, Without further ado, because these episodes have been a little bit lengthy, we're going to dive into one of the fan favorite uh, songs for this season. That is going to be Austria's song, Who the Hell is Edgar, by Taya and Selena. A song that is, I would say at first, going viral for very weird, questionable reasons, but as it has grown on the Eurovision fandom, um, and as I think we get more context around the song... um, it is truly a pop. I will I will put that out there. But Adam, what do you think about Who the Hell is Edgar? What a wild ride this song has already had. Uh, I remember when we got the leak back in, God, what, March? That was just the po, 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 po. And we all collectively lost our goddamn minds about it because how ridiculous is that? And we just, we knew this song was going to be terrible and all of these things. And then it came out. And I think begrudgingly at first, everyone was like, all right, it's not that bad. And now it is by far my favorite, like, up-tempo number for this entire year. I adore this song. We know more about the message now, uh, about the way that women are treated in the music industry. Um, We know a little bit more about Taya and Selena's backgrounds and how they met, where they're from. Uh, it's, It's great. The song itself is just fun. I really like this one. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Uh, this song has been, like I said, I think at the very beginning, uh, you know, we'll go go back even further. You're right. When the leak happened and I was like, oh, dear. Um, and I think it's just because when you get that chorus in context, and especially in the demo, which I think is what it was, um, you know, it would raise some alarms. And the Eurovision account that did it, I think, did it with the intent of raising alarms. Um, And then you get the song and you put it in context. And again, you know the message of the song. You listen to the full three minutes. And it's just so zany, but entertaining at the same time. And sometimes Eurovision songs can't do both. They go way too zany. And you're like, what is happening on this stage? Um... Or they aim really, really high for, wow, we want to be super entertaining and we want to be like the song of the year, but they don't achieve that either. And this song, I think, has done both. Um, I think it's really funny. Um, You know, when you think about the person that this song is inspired by is one who we as Americans know super duper well. Um, But a lot of Europeans don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot about Edgar Allan Poe, despite the fact that he was a writer. Um, so it's just, it's fascinating. And, and I talked with them a little bit about it uh, in an interview, but I think it's just fascinating that this is the person that they centered this song on. Of all of the people that could have inspired this song, it was Edgar Allan Poe that created, not created, because Tay and Selena and the, the songwriters created it, but that inspired the message of this song for those zero zero threes. I don't, I don't get the zero zero three zero dot zero zero three. I haven't gotten that far, but I, the, the rest of it, I do understand pretty well. Do you know what that one is? Yeah, real quick. Um, so it's essentially a commentary on the, the um, financial shares of streaming. So when you go through and you get the streaming and then you break down the percentages of who gets what as a songwriter and as an artist, um, it's essentially a 003% share of the revenue cost because the um, uh, like record labels and, and stuff like that take such a large percentage of the profit. So that makes sense. I, I hadn't, hadn't figured that one out yet, but it's funny to me about Edgar Allan Poe in particular, because like you said, maybe a lot of Europeans don't know him at least as well as we do, because he is taught in every American English uh, literature class uh, throughout middle school and high school. I live, you know, an hour and a half now away from his uh, city of death. Hell, I live three hours away from where he was born. Uh, he is sort of embedded in the culture. Uh, and I just, the, the number of connections to like, um, oh God, what, the Telltale Heart is the the poem that I think of with this song. Like it's, I it is so good. And for this to be written by a, a, a Serbian and she, uh, German, Selena? No, no she's, she's actually Austrian. Austrian. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, by a Serbian and an Austrian. I just, I think it's hilarious. I think they're so good. Um, and... We often worry about, we talked about this with the Netherlands, we worry about uh, duos or groups, vocal duos and vocal groups who have to make their vocals match up and, and align. These two do it really, really well, even in situations like the pre-parties that haven't had the best sound. They've done a really excellent job. Uh, we've gotten to see now what their stage costumes will be. I am so looking forward to seeing what they put on stage because I think it is going to be a blast. And we'll get to know here in just a couple of days, really. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that has been really the key here. Um, you know, especially when we look back to Austria last year. Now, you know, I, we harp on... on. Um, oh, crap. Why am I... Pia. Pia Maria. I was like, why am I... I'm blanking on her name. Um, but we harp on the fact that, you know, she was just unable to deliver vocally... Uh, at the at the contest and you know part of that was COVID a part of that I think was just per terrible preparation on the um, either the delegations part or maybe even her management's part you know there's a lot of things that weren't working and here I think it's just refreshing that um, Austria can come into the contest and know and trust these two to deliver a a a fun and also a well-performed 
performance. Regardless of if it qualifies, regardless if it comes top 10, whatever, that this is going to be a fun and memorable performance. And I think that that's what Austria wants, especially when you look at um, really kind of their, I guess, up and down track record um, <laughs> in the contest. I mean, you would kind of want, regardless of if you qualify, you really would just want to leave an impression because the last time that they qualified literally was 2018. And I think that this song is going to do that. It's going to leave an impression. People are going to be talking about it. You're going to remember that it's existing in the second semifinal. And then also back to our comments about um, when we're talking about Australia in the last episode, there's not a lot of competition for the song. So Mm -hmm. if this song was in semifinal one, I think it would risk a non-qualification simply based off of competition. But in semifinal two, unless they just completely destroy this live performance, I think a qualification is 100% within reach if it's done right. Mm-hmm. Especially where they're coming in the lineup. Uh, you know, they're, they're coming 13th. There's not a whole lot before them in their half that can touch the energy that this would bring. Maybe San Marino. We don't really know what they're going to bring. I think they're a, a bit of a wild card here. Uh, but after... You've got two really down songs before you get to Voyager to, to wrap up the, the semi. And I think Voyager is really the only one that they're competing with here. They, they couldn't have a better slot for possible qualification, I would say. Very true. Well, speaking of one of those songs that uh, precedes Australia, the penultimate song of the semifinal, um, we're going to move on to Lithuania, who is represented by Monica Lenkite. Um, she is returning to the contest after she competed back in 2015. Um, and, you know, I'll be really, really brief here on this one, but this is a song that I have really, I think, grown to love as time has progressed. When I, when the, first was, the song was first selected, I wasn't 100% like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, this has to be in my top five. But I feel like I've just grown to appreciate the musicality in this number. And um, especially looking back and re-listening to the original version in the first heat of Pamadam is Now Joe to what the song became at the final, um, it really has grown. And I think one of the things that I love the most, it's such a subtle, subtle piece of the song. Um, but when she gets to the, I guess, pre-chorus, you know, uh, stay with me, um, there's a subtle heartbeat bass line underneath her, a boom, 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 boom. And it's so clever to have written that because the entire song is about, about love and about, you know, heartbreak. And here we have that, like, just hearkening to it. So, I think this song is really well written and Monica has really evolved as an artist and in a confidence level. So if she could get through in 2015, which was a pretty competitive year, relatively speaking, I am very confident in her ability to do well in this second semifinal, especially being the second to last song in this lineup. I think the big problem that she'll face though, is that she is in the semifinal of the female ballads. Uh, you've got Armenia, you've got Estonia, you've got Iceland, you've got Georgia, and you've got Albania. Like I, I think there's some 
there's competition there that some that other songs don't necessarily face, like Austria that we just talked about. Uh, but it positionally, I think she's in a good spot here uh, to where she will be the last one you hear, and so that she might be the one that you remember uh, and and actually vote for. The challenge is this isn't as big of a song, uh, I think, as some of the others. Uh, she performs it really well, and vocally, she sounds better than ever. I just worry that they're not going to put something big enough on stage for her or that they, I think they, they, they tend to go mid. And so it's either going to be too small or way too big and make no sense. Um, Lithuania, I guess what I'm trying to say is doesn't have a great track record when it comes to staging. I think they've gotten lucky a few times. Um, and I just, I don't see this one going through because of those reasons as much as I love it. Well, I mean, in late, they've really been pulling inspiration from the Pomodam is Now Joe package um, and, and, and just really blowing that up to be to be larger. Um, because the with the Roop, you know, of course, they just redid the the LED design because that LED, I do not believe, was at Pomodam is Now Joe, but the dancing and the choreography and the, the staging concept was there um with with monica last year basically carbon copy except again they just changed the led wall and so what i'm assuming here is that we're probably going to see a similar package in terms of her being surrounded by her backing vocalists and you know it kind of just being one of those those back and forth not like uh rika where it was just the squatting Mm -hmm. you know for three (laughs) minutes but but just kind of her playing off of the energy, I guess kind of like Morrow last year, really playing off the energy of that circle. And maybe that's a really good perspective to draw inspiration off of. Um, and then just reinventing what that staging LED looks like. I think that they had a really good base package at, at the very end when they had kind of that iconography in the background, that really warm orange iconography. So I think that there's something there. Um, and I, I still think, and I forget who I had said it about, um, I think it was Estonia that even if I think they gave her the wrong package, I think that she would still be able to pull out a qualification just based off of the voice and the performance that she would give. Um, it's, and I can understand where you're coming from. You want it to be like the perfect package, but, um, I think that they had even less to work with in 2015 and they still made that work. I don't, I, the song at least brought its own energy in 2015. I guess what I'm worried about is them giving her a run with the lion style staging um, that just doesn't it doesn't work for her. But she does have the vocals. She's got that that Alika style, like she can sing anything and make it come to life. So maybe it's a moot point to begin with. Maybe we just need to put her on stage and sort of let her run wild. But not with the not with the not lions. with the lions. No lions. <laughs> that is a valid point. That did work with them in 2018. Was they didn't need a pompous staging to sell a, a slow song with with Iveta. Um, they just or sorry Ieva. They just put her on stage. And they let her just sit there on the stage. Or yeah, she was sitting down. Um, just kind of yeah, like for a lar- down. large part of it. <laughs> yeah, and and it worked and it qualified and that was. 
the baseline of what Lithuania wanted was get back in the right. grand final. <laughs> well, um, this is going to be an interesting conversation for us, but we get to talk about one of the host country songs. That is the United Kingdom's Mae Muller with her song, I Wrote a Song. Um, now, Adam, this has been interesting because we've been seeing some of the live performances at the pre-parties for this. Uh, have you been paying attention to the pre-party performances, but also what is your overall impression? I'm curious. I have seen a few of them. They've not been the most stellar vocal performances. Um, I think, though, it's hard to say. I think some people are being sort of held back by that uh, and just, you know, they, they need they need the good support for anything to happen. I feel like she's been able to pull together a good performance regardless, even with less than... Uh, less than stellar backing. She has enough charisma and the way that her voice works with this lower register, I think it sort of overcomes a lot of that. So I'm not super worried that when you put her on stage in Liverpool that we're going to have major problems unless she's sick or you know something else, some other sort of outside factor. I don't see that happening. And I think if all they do is replicate some of that uh, music video in some way. Uh, I think this is probably th the my favorite entry since Lucy Jones for them. I think that that they have a, a real hit on their hands here. And if it weren't this year where they're already hosting and uh, Loreen was back, I think she would have a real shot at a top five finish, uh, which you know, this is a, whatever they're doing right now is really working. And I, I think finding these young artists and giving them a, an opportunity is the way for them to keep going. Right. And um, I think, I think for me, my perspective on, on this song, it resonates a little bit with what you said about, I'm not super worried about the grand final, but I think with a pre-party, she's just been going a little too far. You know, she's so excited to be there and there's probably a little bit too much choreography happening and she just kind of wants to be all over, um, kind of similar to our commentary about Iceland's uh, Dilia as well. She just doesn't have the vocal breath support to get her through the song because she's trying so hard to, to make a moment. Whereas um, maybe some of our other more impressionable performances from the pre-party circuit are the artists who are just like, hey, I'm I am here and I'm gonna have a great time, but I'm also just gonna perform the song. Like we're not, this isn't a concert. I'm not trying to pull a concert staging on crates. I'm <laughs> I'm just here to do my job and sing a song and connect with you as an audience. So I think that if the BBC, they're not gonna have to force her to do it because I think it's gonna happen naturally when you're on a bigger stage. You're less likely to have that tendency. Um, but if they can create a staging with her that is still dynamic enough to keep your attention, kind of like with Sam Ryder last year, but allows her to just focus on being a vocalist instead of being the staging, I think is the key here. Um, and, and we saw, you know, with, with Sam Ryder specifically, we saw a really good attempt at that and allowing the vocalist to just shine. Um on stage by themselves. I think in this case, this is a little bit of a different song. So I understand that there probably will be dancers and there will be choreography and, and things of that nature. But 
Um, I think she really needs to focus on being the vocalist and the singer here because every time we've seen she gets involved in that choreography, it's not going to be like Luca Haney here with, no. with, with Dirty Dancing. She just doesn't have that technical ability to do all of that and maintain her breath support and um, her pitch and her tone, which is where her, she's really been suffering. She's ended up a little bit off key here and there, especially towards the end. So I have really good hopes. I think it's a great song. I think it's a great attempt. They are going 26th in the grand final, so they get the opportunity to close it. So that's really nice. Um, Plus they're hosting, so they know the stage and what the stage is capable of, which is a great leg up. Uh, I'm just going to be interested to see how do they utilize that and do they utilize it well? Because not every host country does. Uh, Mm -hmm. And... And we, I think we would have a lot of uh, room to be concerned about the UK because they have also not been great at staging for most of the last decade. They've sort of turned things around recently. Are they still using, do you know, if they're still using the same uh, group to do the staging that they did last year? This, I think it was the group who used to stage the Brit Awards. Um, I have honestly no idea. That's, I haven't heard anything this year, but and I think that maybe it's, because nothing has changed, but I don't, I can't, I can't tell for sure. Um, the reason that I asked that though is there were, there were, there will definitely be dancers and movement on stage. I think this group, with the way that they staged Sam last year, uh, if it's the same group, they will know that they need to stage it in a way where May can stay still for most of the song and just sing and then give her opportunities to be this. I mean, she really wants to be one of these pop girlies. You can tell her by the way that she's performing. I think they'll give her that opportunity, but in a very controlled way, just like they gave Sam an opportunity to like spread his wings and really belt and play the guitar right at the very end of the song. Right? They gave him just this little piece (laughs) and it worked so well. I think they know what they're doing in that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. And I think that the UK have gotten what they needed recently uh, to get people back engaged in the contest and caring about what happens. Uh, so I think all that their goal is here is to put on a good performance that people can be proud of. I don't know that they're going to throw as much at this one. I could be wrong. I mean, they might still want to win. And if they do, they're in the perfect spot too. Right. I really think, you know, thinking to the a good staging baseline here would be Sweden 2013 with with Robin Sternburn's You. Yeah. Where where you allow the dancers to do all of the heavy lifting and you just have that that your singer there on a platform and then in those little musical interlude moments you you shuffle around, you change the energy, you change the the um composition of the stage or something like that or or whatever but it's those little pieces where you allow her to maybe do something but when it comes to the vocal lines it she is not the one driving the energy it is the people around her the backing vocalists the dancers and things like that so i think that might be a really good baseline for them to work off of and i hope that that maybe is a baseline inspiration that they they come with um because i would say Robin is in the same category of singers that if you put him, 
I mean, he's not a dancer to begin with, but if you put him in that scenario and you like ask him to do that, I think he would also crumble in the same way that May has been in the pre-parties, that his vocal technique is not there for choreography. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, there definitely is a lot of options and we'll see kind of what the BBC has come up with. Um, just hopefully there's no plastic trumpets hanging from the ceiling. Dear God, All please. I ask. <laughs> or musical notes, or I don't even know what you would hang, but please, please no hanging things from the ceiling. <laughs> but we will move right along to our next song. So our next song here in this random lineup is going to be Georgia's very own Iru with her song Echo. Um, of course, Eurovision fans alike will remember Iru uh, from winning Junior Eurovision 2011. 2011. Look at me with those fun facts. Um, as well as being a songwriter for Junior Eurovision, uh, Georgia at Junior Eurovision last year as well. Um, she won The Voice. She is now a official Eurovision artist. So Adam, do you think that this could be Georgia's attempt or Georgia's best attempt to get into the grand final? Um, what do you mean my best attempt? Out of all of the songs that have not qualified since 2017, do you think that this one can do it? Uh, I I don't. I'm torn on this one because uh, lyrically, it is not super strong, but I'm not certain that that really matters, and so I can't quite like, figure out where I land on this song because she performs it phenomenally, right? Uh, she has. The charisma, so much charisma and so much vocal talent that, like, I have no concern about what she's going to do up there. Is this the one since, say, 2017? For me, no. Um, I think I would have prefer. I know I prefer uh, Oto's song from 2019. Um, I think that it's, it just didn't get the, maybe the support that it needed. It also had, uh, Iriao in the background for some reason that made no sense and it felt very strange. Um, so I, I, this song is fine. It's, it's okay. I don't hate it. I also don't tend to listen to it all the way through. Hmm. Yeah. I, I can understand where you're coming from that, that from a lyrical standpoint, it is, it is not the strongest entry. Um, you know, I guess if I had to think back to who, oh, I don't even know. I guess I could say Circus Mercus <laughs> was a fine lyrical composition. Um, or, you know, Iriao as well, being all in Georgian there. But I think where this, this song's strength lies in comparison to previous Georgian entries is the musical composition of this track. Um, we have seen not necessarily lazy songwriting, but songwriting that is extremely niche from Georgia in the last few years. And I think that this is the best attempt for them to hit kind of a radio-friendly entry, but they they unfortunately just didn't hit the mark when it came to the lyrical me medley or melody. There we go. The lyrical melody. Because you're right. It is kind of just her screaming 
for three minutes vocally. And there's a time and a place for that. And there are songs where I I don't mind that as much. But this song doesn't really have levels. It starts off super loud and it continues super loud until it basically hits the two minute and 58 mark. And then she goes, and it's done. And that's the softest part of the entire song is that little like outro bit. If they had actually written this in a way where it starts super soft and, and just slowly climbs to that climax of a uh, of a chorus, I, I think I would be saying something different about this. I don't think I would mind as much the lyrical composition of the song and the pronunciation because it would be so show-stopping and jaw-dropping in terms of vocal talent. And we know that she can do that. We know that she can give a a very paired back vocal that is very impactful. She did it on The Voice. And she, I mean, she's done it in Junior Eurovision. Uh, it's not a great song either, but it was paired back. I just don't know why they were like, okay, go all in right from the beginning. So that's where I, 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 I am a little worried. Can this song resonate with enough people when it is three minutes of just loud. And I think that's why I'm so annoyed too, is because we know what she can do. We've seen it on the voice. Uh, I understand not everyone is crazy like us and goes and watches international voice performances uh, regularly, but you can, she does go watch her perform euphoria. It's phenomenal. And so then to give her this song where she's not really, she's not able to fully flex and show us what she can do because it is just all the way at 10 the whole time. It makes no sense to me. And especially with this writer that she's working with who has written for Georgia, written for her before. What, what are we, what are we thinking? Why are we not writing in a way that really showcases this artist that we've selected specifically because of what she can do. And it's, it's so frustrating to me because she is phenomenal. She's so good. And this is what we've, we've created for her. It's entirely possible that the staging will take this to that next level. But I just don't think that you're going to get enough people on, especially with the track record you have recently had, you're not going to get enough people on Thursday night to vote for you the first time they hear this song, because I don't think that there's anything that really calls people to action. Right. And that I think, again, I appreciate the direction they were going, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that this was the year to have done this. I think that this was a year where you said, okay, we have this vocalist and we believe in her and we know what she's capable of. So let's play to that and give her like a pop ballad or or something. And, you know, they've kind of lucked out a little bit because if they had given her a ballad, a true ballad, she'd just be lumped in there with all the others. True. But give her something where she can shine vocally and really create a moment. And sure, the staging may help, but... Even in the past few years, when we've had kind of this um, very in-your-face performance, they haven't done well. I mean, Keep the Faith was this way, and that did Mm -hmm. not qualify, although just barely. Um, You know, Nina's song Warrior did make it through. 
um, in, in fourth. But I mean, I think that that was because you had, there were more ebbs and flows in Warrior a little bit there. Um, and then Otto's song, I think, is the best comparison here. That was another song that just was at 100% the whole time. And that ended up coming 14th out of 17 or 18 songs. So I do worry, and I and I, I can agree with you in your concern, that this is not the proper way to have used this talent that is there. I am hoping that they picked this song because they had a staging in, in mind that is going to be able to deliver that jaw-dropping experience. But I have a concern that they're going to want or that they're going to lean on Iru to do all of that. Oh, for sure. Um, just because they haven't had stagings that have been that way in the past few years. They've been a little bit more minimalistic uh, in staging design and concepts, mainly because of funding. Um which is so a big concern. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Giga was like, "Here's money. Take my money and give her a fantastic LED staging." Uh, I don't know. I think the <laughs> Do- the problem that I'm sensing with this song, uh, we've we've talked a little bit about it, and I, we may have even talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember that it feels like Eurovision is really changing this year. That we're hitting an inflection point with the songs and the performances this year. Uh, there's this shift toward more. Uh, I don't want to say radio friendly, but like actual modern, you could hear this in a top 40 countdown or, or whatever. Uh, songs that are written more authentically, they're for the artist, not for the stage. This song to me feels like it was written to be the, maybe not in English, the, the debut single of the winner of The Voice, not a great song that she could take to Eurovision and do something with. And so I, I think that this might just be this, one of those growing pains. Maybe next year it, it's completely different. Uh, but that's, if you even go and look back, you look at the song songs for Tornike. Uh, Keep On Going was the same way. Keep the Faith was the same way. These are songs that were written for winners of talent competitions, not good songs by good singers at on this international stage. Yep. Well, a artist that I think we don't have that problem with, um, and I, I I would go on record, and I think I have before, uh, saying that one of the most uh, vocally impressive performers that we have at Eurovision this year will move on to Blanca Paloma from Spain with her song Yeah Yeah. Um, a song that has, I mean... Well, pretty much any Spanish song is going to have the Spanish fandom ignited. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, with the exception of Chanel at the very beginning. But um, I would say one that has unified the Spanish fandom that I th- I have yet to meet a Spanish fan who doesn't, you know, they may have reservations about the song that I don't know if this is going to do really well or if, if this is actually going to be in contention to win but I love it so much. And that's the general universal thing that I have heard, that yes, there's a small critique or a small concern here and there, but the love for the song is so strong. Where even Chanel had some people out there who were just like, this is garbage. Why is this representing us? Even when I got to Eurovision. 
So Spain is in an interesting position this year, where the whole of the the whole of the country is all in on their own entry. Adam, are you all in on this entry, or do you have some reservations? All of the above. Uh, I think it's the perfect example of what we were just talking about. Here's an authentic song written by and for this artist that I think she would have put out regardless because it is, it's important to her. She submitted it to Benidorm. It wins Benidorm. It goes to Eurovision, but it would have existed without the contest. In that way, I think that she's starting a couple of steps ahead. Uh, That said, this is a very challenging song. Uh, Surrounded by potentially, we don't know where it'll end up in in the grand final. It could get a really plum spot, but surrounded by really good pop songs that are by definition much more accessible. Uh, and I'm finding that this, this song isn't quite as inviting as I once found it. I think over time, it's just gotten a little bit more, I think they've taken away some of the more pop elements of it, or maybe that's just, you know, by necessity, the way that it's being performed in in pre-parties and whatnot. I'm just finding it less and less, uh, easy on the ears, I guess. But when you hear it the first time, maybe it completely changes. And we know when she's performing live on stage with full production, obviously she kills it. So this is probably a useless commentary. (laughs) Well, maybe not useless, but, you know, I definitely agree with you that my impression of the song now, was it like, three months after it was selected is a little bit less than when it was initially performed in Benny dorm. And I was just like, wow, that just happened. Holy cow. Um, is it, it's still not my favorite song. Um, I did really prefer her song last year. Um, and I think that the reason why is because it had that accessibility, uh, to a grander audience. Um, and, and a more international audience. I still think that EAA has pockets of people that it can speak to. And I think that people will still reward her for the performance and the vocal, specifically in the juries, um, more so than probably the televote here. But I think that you're right. It's, its impression is always going to be on the first live performance and a large pocket of people viewing are going to be seeing it for the first time on May 13th, and so that may help her. Um, But when you exist in the Eurovision bubble and you are listening to the album and the songs and and everything like that, I do think that it gets a little lost in the shuffle. Still probably the top half of the entry list, but if you were ranking based off of live performances would be higher because of the fact that this is a live performance song that you have to you have to experience this in person right. to resonate and understand why it's so amazing. And so what I think the concern is going to be is that if this was a song in a semifinal, 
I would understand and I'd be like, yeah, so that's going to be a sure qualifier. But this is a song in the grand final where there are 26 other competing entries. Can that vocal impression in that moment stick out enough across 26 songs for her to do well? Because I think one of the biggest reasons that, um, you know, when we look at at Chanel's success last year is because, yes, she had that that performance and she had that um, that moment. However, it was her placement in the grand final, in the running order, that did her the most service. She was, I think, like last five or something like that. If Spain ends up in the first half... What is that going to mean for them? Right. Probably not good things. And I, I think that there's, so I think you've made two good points here that I want to pull out. One is about that placement. There's every chance based on where we stand right now that this song gets the death slot just because of the way that it's performed and the the feeling that it evokes. I think I get the same kind of feeling from it that I got from um, Nublier Pa in uh, 2015. Uh, beautiful, wonderful, ex- excellently performed, meaningful, and not the vibe of the rest of the performances, right? And so it just sort of gets put over here into the corner. Uh, and that's that's really unfortunate, but I could see that happening. The other point that you made was that this isn't a song that has to come through the, the semifinal, in which case, yeah, I, I don't think it has any problem coming through. The one benefit that it has for it is her, not the one, but I think the biggest benefit it has running is her vocal talent and the the way that she uses her voice to perform this song. It's going to get jury love. I don't think that that's in question. So it'll do well enough. I think it could struggle, though, on the other end. And I think that's what we're getting at. Uh I also, the song has a lot of meaning, right? And it, it, it has a lot of uh, sort of cultural aspects to it that I don't know that the average viewer on Saturday night is going to get. Does it make an impact outside of Spain? Mm-hmm. I think it's a real question. It is a really good question, and I think that that has always been my biggest uh, concern about it is that, you know, we've, we've seen this before with Spain in, like, 2019, for example, that, you know, they were like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. The, the When I say they, I mean the Spanish fandom. Um, that this is amazing. This is awesome. That this is going to do so well at Eurovision. And then it just kind of crumbled. And that and that was the last song of, of that grand final. It, it should have had the best setup. Uh, to end to be the end note of the contest and it just it just crumbled um i don't think that blanca paloma is going to be able to do or is going to do that because i think uh mickey just didn't have the the vocal power that she has in the vocal delivery however the end result could be somewhere in the middle of chanel and mickey where yes you're right you do really well in the the jury but does the is the does the televote exist out there 
to put you back in Chanel territory, or is it going to put you in Mickey territory where you got zero points? You know, and are you going to end up then aggregating into the middle, which is going to put you somewhere 16th to 20th in that grand final, just just by math? Um, it's one of those things that, you know, of course, we have to wait and see. We are not uh, oracles. I really wish that we were, because then I could go and do my betting and get lots of money off of this contest. But alas, we cannot. But we are going to go ahead and move on to our other host entry. Um, that is going to be Ukraine. They are sending Tvorchi this year with their song Heart of Steel, um, a song that was the first official song to be selected and quote-unquote released um, of the Eurovision 2023 season. Of course, them winning the Vidbeer National Final in a... Um, underground train station back in December of 2022. Um, now, Adam, they also have received their running order slot. They're in the 19th slot, so the second half of the, the grand final there. Um, what is your overall impression of, of Heart of Steel and Tavorchi, and do you think the 19th slot is going to help them out? It will help. It's not going to help them that much i think if they had a uh, a more impactful song i think the in being in the the 19th position we'd be discussing a potential back-to-back -back for ukraine but the song that we have instead is just a little bit light uh in sort of everything um it's lyrically, it's it's okay. Compositionally, it's it's good. It's just not uh, it's not going to stand out from the crowd. Performance wise, I mean, they are choosing to perform or have chosen to perform with sunglasses on and in all black. Um, again, the song might have meaning, but it's it's I think hidden a little bit. It's not uh, as in your face as say Stephania or. Uh, 1944 was it's just another pop song and it's not even i hate to say this because it is a it's a fine song but it's not one of the the better pop songs in the mix so sure i think 19th is helpful but helpful for what yeah no and i i, I think that sentiment is exactly how i feel that this song is perfectly fine when you kind of airlift it out of the 37 and you yes. like listen to it and you're like, wow, I, I really enjoy this song and, and maybe I come back to it or I really want to, to listen to it just on its own. But when I put it back in with the 37, it, it just kind of gets lost a little bit in, in the playing field. And so, and that's with, of course, 37. So you we will have trimmed out... 11 songs between the beginning of the semifinals and we get to the grand final but still i don't know if the the draw factor is there for this song in comparison to some of the other 26 songs or 25 songs rather that will be in the grand final with them and i think that that's and in this 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 um kind of i guess sentiment pulls me back to back in 2017 when O Torvald was the host entry. I felt very similar about that song. You airlift time out of 
the the full uh, running order in the in the album, and you're like, hey, this is actually a really good song, but you put it back in and you just forget about it. One hundred percent. And honestly, when you take a look at the overall, that's a half of the reason that I think that they came. Uh, was it last? I I want to say that it was last. Um, scroll, scroll, scroll. Running order, place. They were third to last. They were 24 out of 26. Ukraine, Germany, and Spain were the bottoms there. Um, I, I, I have concerns that this song runs a risk of doing the same thing. Um, it being a perfectly fine song and people really enjoying it on its own, but not having the draw factor to say, oh, I have to vote for Ukraine in the grand final. There might be pulled to other songs and other entries that they have more attachment to or that are more impactful, but the staging could possibly change this. If the staging is done correctly, it could possibly bring people back in. But if it's not done correctly, I have a lot of concerns on where the points are going to come from to support this entry. And I think that a large piece of it is because it's also, I hate to say it, but it's lacking that Ukrainian culture or even just a, a, a hint of, oh, this is the Ukrainian entry. Even if it's not completely Ukrainian, like balls to the walls, holy cow, we've gone total folk. It's just lacking that piece where I would go, that is Ukraine. Whereas I do get that from like France. I do get that from Spain. You know, I get that from the UK because it's a UK pop song. I get that from Albania. I don't get that from Ukraine and it can kind of get lost if you're like, I want to support Ukraine, but I don't remember which entry they are. Right. It doesn't stand out in in that way. I, there will still be... <laughs> I don't want to call it sympathy vote. Uh, there will be people who vote for Ukraine because they are Ukraine, right? That's fine. But this isn't, I don't think we have to consider the fact that this song, not, not the fact, I don't think we have to consider the idea that this song could win because it's not Stefania, right? Stefania always had a chance to win on its own. We, you know, airlifted out of this current time and it still has a chance to win in any year. This song, if they weren't hosting, I would be questioning whether or not it could qualify. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't give you much to work with. Uh, I think comparing it to Time uh, by Otorvald is a perfect analogy. It's good. It's just not great. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and jump along to our, our next entry here. So next up on our random running order list is going to be Albania, who is represented by Albina and Familia Kelmendi. I always say that wrong. The Familia Kelmendi um, with her song Duye, um, a song that much like most of the Albanian songs in the last few years, uh, with the exception of last year um, in Albanian, um, had a very, very minimal uh, revamp that came out mainly in the instrumental lines there. Um, but they are going to be in the 14th slot out of 16. So they are very lucky up this year, Albania, that they only have to beat out six songs instead of seven um, to try and make their way into the grand final. 
Adam, what are your impressions of Duye? Look, if Secret couldn't qualify, Duye doesn't really have a shot. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think it's... I'm really happy that Albania got to decide the song that they wanted to send. The Albanian public got to pick. And so, you know, the thing that I've been talking about with a bunch of these, it is authentic. It is by and for this artist, not for the contest necessarily. That said, the performance has yet to inspire positive feelings in me. Uh, they, it's beautiful that this family is performing together. Really love that. It feels so awkward watching them sing these lyrics at each other, about each other, near each other, right? The, the guy that's leaving in the song or, or whatever, uh, however you want to define that is her brother and it just feels very uncomfortable. And I think even if we got a phenomenal vocal performance out of it, I wouldn't want to vote for it because of the way that it makes me feel if I'm a random viewer on Thursday night. If this was a different contest and they got to be up there with their instruments and give us a, a real live performance, Totally different story. Watching them perform it on a little bit more, just like in their living room, fantastic. On stage, it doesn't give me the feeling that I want. Yeah, and I think that when you look back to the Festival Ekengas performance, one of the biggest reasons why I think it stood out to me and probably to you as well is the orchestration. It was the orchestration that really gave it that, that oomph, that power. Um, on top of, of course, them being a very good uh, vocalistic family. In the grand final, not 100% because some of the family members were a little shy and didn't know where their cameras were. And I'm sure that they've been working on that and stuff. I, I think that there is still there is still a pathway for this song to potentially qualify if they get it right. If the vocals are right, if the staging is correct, um, if... Of if Sasha Jean Baptiste finds that correct pocket of okay, this is how we're gonna make this the most uh, jaw dropping performance and not just cover up things and be like oh, oh oh don't look at that or oh don't think about this look at the really cute or really impactful LED that's happening behind them, um, which is I think one of my biggest concerns for Karma with uh, with Angela Peristeri was I was like I felt like that staging was kind of like trying to distract from her. Um, plus also then you had the budget issue, I would assume, of she didn't have anything else on stage with her. So it was like, oh, don't look at Angela. Look behind her at the smoke clouds and all of this stuff. That's what I'm worried about this performance is that it might be just, oh, don't look at the, don't look at the sister. Look, look over here or do this. Um, and it might just come off as kind of, um, everything in the kitchen sink being on stage, but none of it working together. If they can find that very, very important nexus point of how everything comes together, the vocals, the relationships and, and authenticity, um, the staging and just the performance of it, it could work. But it's one of the Albanian songs that I have. I have less concerns than I did about Secret, 
but I don't have the confidence that I had in Maul or um, Keiyu Tokes. I don't have that level of confidence in this song right now. That's I was just thinking about Keiyu Tokes and the way that that was presented. Right, we put Yonida on stage with nothing else but some smoke and a LED screen. But she vocally carried that through. As we've talked about with all of these other groups, the concern is can they vocally bring it together enough to carry this song? I don't have the confidence that they can do that. Now, Yonida, I don't think we were really rating her to to qualify uh, at the time. It's been a long time. I don't remember. But then I do remember her coming out on that stage and stunning everyone with the power of that performance. It was not the United that we had seen. Maybe they can do that here. Maybe they've got another gear that we haven't yet seen. I'm just not confident that that will be the case. 100%. And I I think that this is a great tie-in to our penultimate song here on the series. That is um, Cypress's entrant, uh, Andrew Lambrew from Australia, but who has the heritage background back to Cypress through his family. Um, And his song, Break a Broken Heart, a song that to date, we still have not seen performed live. We have heard him perform live, obviously through Australia Decides, um, obviously through his Eurovision a little bit more performance where he did Molitva, but we have not heard him perform this song. And there's a giant question mark over the entry at the moment of will this sound the same when we get to Liverpool as it does in studio? Is that just me or are you also (laughs) feeling that way? I am feeling that way a little bit only because, um, (laughs) <laughs> I think it's it's interesting that there's a song that we haven't heard live yet uh, that we have heard the artist live. Like it feels very backwards. And I think what gets me is that we've heard other people perform this song live. Uh, like we've heard Voyager do it and I loved it. What that tells me is that this song is good, which I have not always felt. We know that he can sing live. I know that they can pull all of this together. But why haven't we seen it? Maybe it's because they're holding something back to really wow us on stage, right? They could be, again, we've seen this with Cypress. They can stage a song to oblivion and just blow everyone else out of the water. Could be that that's what they're doing here. Andrew could have skills that we don't know about uh, when it comes to the type of staging that Cypress likes to do. But it just feels odd that we don't have anything to go off of for how he's going to do. A hundred percent. And I mean that this is Cypress's tactic is keep all of your cards super close and then just show up to Liverpool and try and impress. I mean, they've been doing this since uh, really Fuego. From mm-hmm. from what I can remember. Um, now, granted, I didn't pay attention to the pre-party status or the pre-party uh, circuit back then. And so it's possible that she made an appearance here or there that I don't remember. But f- I would say I know for a fact that Tomta did not. Um, oh, yeah. We were way in the dark with Tomta. We were super in the dark. Um, El Diablo was the same way for, for Rotterdam with, uh, was it 
Elena, Elena Sagarinu, um, last year. It, we knew nothing and, about Andromaki. Andromaki, we had never heard. We heard a, a, an acoustic version of it um, in a studio, but we had never heard it live. So they are prone to do this. And I guess that this is just like Panic Records and, and CyBC's like tactic of, you know, keep them wanting more. They're always going to want to know what this sounds like. But I feel like that also creates a lot of pressure on their artist. Because I think at this, we saw this last year with Andromaki where she was really favored and people really loved the song. But then the vocal was not there. And it just crashed and burned in the odds. It burned in people's rankings. People were talking about it negatively online. And I mean, we really haven't heard from her since, honestly. Um, I mean, she still exists. She did that, that, that collaboration with verse, but like to go from such a highly regarded entry to Eurovision fans really are not talking about her anymore. I think they got really lucky with Fuego. I think that they've gotten really lucky with really all of their pop girlies and, and having that drive. But I'm starting to think that the train is running out of engine, uh, running out of oil and gas or coal, I guess, technically. And the formula that they've been working with and using is no longer working, and they don't know what to do, so they just keep trying to push it forward. Yeah, we're currently kind of a one-trick pony, uh, where all we can do is this up-tempo dance pop number with a beautiful woman. Uh, the I think we wouldn't have as many concerns about this had we not experienced 2020. Uh, and particularly the artists that they selected then and the challenging environment that surrounded his potential participation. Uh, because without that, right, our, our last male artist for Cyprus is Hovig, who did great. Before that, we had Minus One, who did great. John Karianis, who did great. We know they can do this but they haven't been able to recently. And the one time they tried, of course the contest gets canceled. We don't get to see it on stage. Nobody's fault. But the, the press that they were getting was not positive and was not inspiring anyone to vote for him uh, before the contest got canceled. And, and since then, you know, he's changed his name four times. Uh, we still haven't heard anything from him really. So there's this sort of, existing concern and then you bring in a relatively unknown artist like Andrew who we know can sing we've seen him do it but then you don't have him at these parties although he did make an appearance in Sydney at one of the Australian preview parties um, where they literally just play the songs and I believe he performed it there great to do it to a welcoming crowd would have loved to see it in Poland, right? In London. So it just, I think, I think it's a good song. We know he's a great singer. He's, he's a good singer. He is easy to look at and he might be able to dance. We don't know. All of the ingredients are there. CyBC is just not inspiring a lot of confidence by not putting it out there. A hundred percent. And I think that the key here is that, you know, um, you know, some might say like, oh, well, they're probably not taking him out because he's in Australia. But even Australia is hitting the circuit 
now. Right. And is at least appearing at two ish, two ish pre parties a year. And so if Voyager and Sheldon Riley can make it out from Australia and do the 14, 15, 16 hour flight out there, CyBC could have brought Andrew Lambrew. It, it's a pure directive of them not wanting to and not a directive of thinking that they can't. And they're already bringing him to Europe multiple times to work on it. Correct. The money is there. <laughs> right. It's it's the intention of I don't I don't know, but I I am at least excited. Um I think that this is a is a good song. Um and I I hope that he has been working on those vocals and the vocal line will be there and the high notes will all be there and everything will just really be locked in because I think that this could be an impactful song. I just, I'm really hoping that we can get back to what would have been the last time I think that they've sent a song that's not a dance track or a pop track. 2015, one thing I should have done. I would love for us to just get back to a Cypress ballad or something else because I feel like I'm just, like I said, the train analogy was a good one. I, I feel the train is about to derail and Cyprus is not going to like it when it happens. Um, so, but that conversation brings us to our final country of this preview. That is going to be the good old boys from Slovenia, Joker Out's entry, Carpe Diem. Um, now, this song came out uh, back in January. Nope. Back in February, very early February. Um, and they also canceled the the EMA uh, national final in favor of an internal selection for Joker Out. Um, now, I know that, of course, we've been following all the pre-parties. We've been following all the releases of everything. Um, and I know that I think we talked very briefly about Joker Out on one of our national final episodes. Is your impression of this song the same now as when it came out back in February? I think it's getting better even because uh, we have seen them perform live uh, and we're seeing the energy that they're bringing. I think this has the potential to be, it's going to depend on where they end up in the running order. I think that they qualify easily. I see them qualifying in the top five uh, of this semi. I'm thinking third or fourth. And I think that they come top 10 for the first time since, what, 1997? No, 2001. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they have the opportunity to come for uh, top 10 for the first time in 22 years with this song. The guys are very good at performing it, right? They've got, they know exactly what they're doing. They are releasing music around it. This is not a song that was written for Eurovision. Uh, they just released a track with Elvis Costello. Uh, they're getting press around Europe. They are so fun and kind and excited to be there. They're interacting with all of the other acts. They're performing other acts songs. This just feels like everything is coming together for Slovenia this year to really put something on stage that is truly impactful uh, in a way that we haven't seen from them in a long time. A hundred percent. And I think that the fact is they're not sending a young artist or an, um, an artist who is not established as much. 
They are sending a band that has been around on for a while, that has done a number of tours, that has been international, um, that has the confidence that I think a lot of the artists of the past few years with with LPS, with uh, Zala and Gasper, with with Anna Soklich a little bit as well, I would say, um, they've just been missing. I, really, I guess back to Leah Sirk. She was very confident when she got to Lisbon. She was super confident. And and that played out in their favor. I mean, she came, she didn't have the best result for them in that year because that was Zala and Gasper, but they qualified. They came off of a two-year quali- uh, non-qualification off of that. Here we are having another, and if you, <laughs> what I love so much is that they have a little bit of a pattern here where they had a non-qualification in 2012, 2013, then qualified for two years, non-qualified 16, 17, then qualified for two years and have not qualified for another two years. So the statistics run that for the next two years of this year and next year, they should qualify for the grand final if the pattern holds. Um, I think that this is very much a very good chance for it to happen. Um, I think that this is the strongest Slovenian entry in Slovenian that we've seen in a while. And I think it's the most accessible. And I think that's their, their ticket here. People are like, oh, people loved Sebi, but it was not accessible to the masses. And in fact, I personally am very confused on how it ended up 15th overall, uh, it just must have been a really good night with with the viewership and the jury. But I think that you're right that this song has the tendency and the potential to go even further than what Sebi did, which is of the last 10 years. Actually, sorry, no. Um, Maya's song in 2011, the last 12 years, is their highest placement, but that was only at 13th. I think that they have a potential to be the highest placement of a decade plus for Slovenia and possibly even top that highest place of seventh from 1995 in 2001. Yeah. The, so I'm looking at the results of the uh, 20, what is this? 2017, 2018 uh, with, with, with Sebi, you know, they came 15th in the jury and 11th in the televote. They really just got, I don't want to say they got lucky. They they got scores that were relatively close together, so they sort of overperformed their position. Uh, just like you know, you can if you come second in both the jury and the televote, you're likely to win. They sort of got lucky with their uh, their positioning there. The the thing with this song is. It's not going to, I think that Sevi would have been in a better place, like you said, if it had been more accessible, because I think it would have gotten a few more jury votes and a few more televotes. This song does that while still being incredibly well written, performed, and uh, composed. It's probably one of the best rock tracks we've had of the last 20 years. We, not that we get a lot, right? Like 20 years only gives us maybe 20 songs, uh, maybe 30. But it really is super strong and really well done. And you can understand why they canceled EMA for it. I, th- I think the, the challenge that it faces 
thank God it's in this semifinal, first of all. Uh, that gives it some some room to breathe among these other songs. Uh, the challenge that it faces, though, is that Czech Republic, Croatia, and Serbia are all in the first semifinal. Slovenia doesn't have a great uh, diaspora. You know, that Slovenians are really just in Slovenia or in uh, the other Slavic countries. They don't have a lot of people in this semifinal that are predisposed to supporting them. That said, it's a good enough song that I think that they'll easily be able to overcome that. You know, they're really only competing with, I mean, there are two other bands. There's San Marino and Australia. I don't think they're really competing with Australia. If they can pull, if, if they are the better performance between uh, them and San Marino, they're gonna sail right through pretty easily. They just don't have the sort of predisposition to do so based on who's around them. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how how this all plays out for them. I, like I said, I think Slovenia is really, I mean, I don't wanna say it this way, but would be happy to just qualify. Completely. Um, regardless of what final position they end up in, but we all know that they're aiming for the highest possible position uh that they can achieve so we will just have to wait and see but the good news is that this is the end of the preview series and we do not have to wait super long for our uh sneak peeks at the first rehearsals and second rehearsals um of course for those who maybe have not been catching up or haven't heard um those rehearsals are closed to the press so the only snippets or or previews that we will get are going to come from the official Eurovision channel. If those are still posted, TBD, we do not know. Um, we may only see snippets of the second rehearsal. It just depends on what they're wanting to do. But until then, that is it for this week's episode, and we hope that you had as much fun as we did. Make sure to give us a follow at Amerivision, and please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. Doing so is going to help us reach even more people. And as always, we would like to thank Tomer G for allowing us to use his version of TTM. Wishing you love, love, peace, peace. And a man in hamster wheel. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.